You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 51. Hey everyone, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Melody Wilding. Melody is an LMSW. She's an executive coach for smart, sensitive, high achievers, and the author of Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work. Recently named one of Business Insider's most innovative coaches for her groundbreaking work on sensitive strivers, her clients include CEOs, C-suite executives, and managers at top Fortune 500 companies such as Google, HP, Facebook, Netflix, Twitter, IBM, Citibank, JP Morgan, and many, many more. Melody has been featured on the New York Times, O Magazine, NBC News, and spoken at Stanford University, Walmart, Adweek, Burberry, and many more. She's here to help you break free from self-doubt and imposter syndrome so you can use your sensitivity as the superpower that it is. Melody, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here with you. You know, obviously your work revolves around sensitive strivers. Can you tell us a little bit about what is a sensitive striver? Why is it important to be aware of you are or who they are and how you got focused on that demographic? Sure. So a sensitive striver refers to someone who is both high achieving, meaning they're career oriented, driven, they set and and reach high goals, but they are also highly sensitive. So these are people who think and feel everything more deeply. So what we're talking about here is about one in five people, about 20% of the population that has this biological difference, actual brain differences that lead them to be more attuned to their own emotions, emotions of other people, and subtleties in the environment, nuances going on around them. So these are people who harness and have tremendous strengths. And being a sensitive striver is really a key to success. But we're not given the right tools to manage this combination of qualities effectively. So without that, sensitive strivers also tend to face a battle with overthinking, burnout, self-doubt, because we do process everything so much more deeply than other people. So 20% of the population, is is this number changing as we become more uh, socially, emotionally aware, or has it been this way for a long time, or or do we not have the information necessarily to know know that yet? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, Dr. Elaine Aaron, who was the original researcher who discovered the trait of high sensitivity. Her research began in the 90s. That's where this number of about 15 to 20% came about. And over time, what I've seen is that the numbers have slightly increased, mostly credited to being able to do better research, better MRI scans of, of people's brain patterns if they have this trait of high sensitivity and activation in certain parts of the brain. The numbers have shifted a little more towards 30%. Uh, but I think there are cultural factors, right? There's societal influences here that we're seeing now a greater acceptance of talking about emotions in the workplace, sensitivities to different people and differences, right? So I think as a, as a culture, we are shifting more towards being sensitive. But in this case, sensitivity specifically refers to having a more highly attuned central nervous system. So being more reactive and responsive to things that are happening, not only within yourself, but sensing that in other people and your surroundings. 
So this is evolving and we're having the better capability of measuring the differences in the brain without, you know, over getting to the specifics, what kind of physiological differences are there? Like, do we know exactly how to pinpoint where that sensitivity, the, the hyper perhaps enhanced awareness comes from? Mm-hmm. Excellent question. And uh, what is really fascinating about this, and as a neuroscience geek, I love this aspect of it, is that we actually see different neurological patterns in people who have higher sensitivity. So their brains actually have more activation in certain areas related to things like action planning, uh, anticipating how you're going to plan or approach a task, problem solving, complex thinking. So a, a strength and an aspect of sensitivity is being able to take in information, process it more deeply. So we see activation in those parts of the brain around mental processing of situations, but also synthesizing it. So creating connections and seeing nuances, spotting gaps that other people miss. And the uh, emotional side of sensitivity, we see in that sensitive strivers tend to have more active mirror neurons. So the empathy neuron, your mirror neuron is responsible for understanding and perceiving other people's behavior. And so sensitive strivers have more active neurons. So we are, are able to perceive, sense, process other people's feelings and emotions. So classically being an empath, when you say, I, I'm a sponge for everything that's happening around me, that's very true for sensitive strivers. Um, so those are some of the different brain patterns we see, which is is really fascinating. Thank you so much for uh, sharing those insights. That's that's awesome. The the new book that you have, uh, one of the new books, I mentioned, Trust Yourself. I imagine that's a message for for all of us to learn how to trust our gut, our instinct, intuition, experience, and training. Is it more pronounced as a need to trust yourself mm-hmm. if you're a sensitive striver, uh, striver, or is it pretty consistent across the board? Yeah. You know, in my coaching experience, having done this work and worked with sensitive strivers for 10 years, lack of confidence, imposter syndrome, self-doubt is the number one thing that holds sensitive strivers back from making the type of impact they want and reaching their full potential. And that comes from a number of places. First, if anybody who is listening is sensitive or is identifying as this personality type, You, like me, have probably been told your whole life to stop being so sensitive. Why don't you grow a thicker skin? Stop taking things so personally. And so from a very young age, we get these messages that you're not okay as you are, right? And we internalize that. And that can lead to a lack of confidence, feeling insecure in who we are. But sensitive strivers, because of our depth of, of processing, comes with all of those strengths that I mentioned. But sometimes we become so self-aware or we think about something so long and deeply that it can lead to being overly self-conscious. It can lead to overthinking situations. And that attentiveness to people around you can not only um, make us afraid of what are people thinking of us, everyone's judging me, but also uh, have us so externally oriented on what other people want for us, on what we should do that we were not listening to ourselves. So that's exactly why I felt strongly about making the message of the book, Trust Yourself. Excellent. So with that sensitive striver, 
there's a conditioning maybe in the household or in other places stop being so sensitive because you know whatever toughness tough girl tough guy whatever the the, the thing is that's going on that's impacting them so they have a, a, a doubt that's there because what's normal for them is not necessarily normal for the culture that they're in how mm -hmm. do they overcome that are there any suggestions or tips or what do you recommend for someone who wants to learn how to trust themselves whether they're a sensitive driver or not and they have that externalized focus um, instead of focusing internally yeah you know one chapter in the book in the first uh, section of the book I have an entire chapter on learning to give yourself permission because so many sensitive drivers we hold ourselves back from being successful so in the chapter one of the uh, recommendations that I give is being aware of how you're undermining yourself to begin with. So two very popular or very common behaviors. Number one is over-apologizing. I'm sorry, uh, let me move my stuff. I apologize for being late. We, we apologize for things that really don't need apologies excessively to the point where we're really looking for approval, validation from other people to say, oh, no, you're okay. No, that, that was good, Right. We over-apologize because we feel shame for who we are. And so really paying attention and starting to curb that tendency to over-apologize, even just replacing a I'm sorry with thank you. Thank you for waiting for me. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being considerate can be a, a huge shift. As can not polling. <laughs> so often sensitive strivers, as soon as we have to make a decision, we go out to everyone else, our team, different stakeholders, our mentors, our uh, colleagues, and ask, what do you think is best here? What do you think our sh approach should be? What's your thoughts about this? Instead of trying to develop a point of view and listen to ourselves first. So of course, you need to socialize and get input on an idea, but that should not come at the cost of you forming an opinion about it first and really tapping into what do I think about this first and foremost. So really starting to step back from that and walking into opportunities and challenges before you feel ready. Sensitive strivers, we are conscientious. We are perfectionist. We do not want to do something until we have researched it for two months and we feel like, okay, I am, I am fully prepared for that promotion, for example, or to take on this bigger project. But that moment never comes. You will never feel 100% ready. There is always more you can do, always more you can learn. And so really, you build confidence through taking action, right? Improving to yourself that you can persevere. And so starting before you're ready is really a key strategy on the, of that chapter of giving yourself permission and such a foundational part of trusting yourself. In many of those cases, and, and perhaps not all, I'm just thinking about this as we go through our conversation here, it's about claiming your power, mm. right? So when you're apologizing, you said, like you're saying, like, I've done something wrong, please forgive me in a way. But instead, you flip it around and you're saying, hey, thank you. I'm acknowledging you for your grace, your uh, forgiveness, your patience, your flexibility, mm -hmm. whatever it is, which is you having power and giving them the recognition that they deserve. So is, is that one of the things that, that we need to learn as, as sensitive strivers for those of us who connect to that? That's an excellent way to put it. You know, and last night I was actually speaking with a group of my clients and we were talking about self-criticism and how self-criticism can actually be so self-centered. <laughs> you're focusing on yourself. You're so mean and harsh with yourself in a way that you would never be 
to anybody else around you. So a core part of being a sensitive striver is actually taking all of that empathy, compassion, uh, care, dedication that you have for others, for everyone else, and starting to turn it back on yourself. Uh, so yes, absolutely. Not being, not being so self-focused, but actually using that empathy in that case of saying, I'm sorry, to actually be empathetic and acknowledge the gift the other person is giving you. Wow. What, what a take that superpower and apply it to yourself equally, put on your own, you know, uh, oxygen mask before you help other, other people right. in a sense. Does it take, how long does it take? Have you found in coaching people through this process, mm -hmm. um, to kind of begin to turn around and, and get some comfort level with putting yourself first, or at least at the same playing field of, as those around you? Yeah, of course, everyone is different. We're all at different starting lines here. And your conditions matter, right? For, for sensitive people, we are more affected by our environment because we're more, uh, we perceive more of what's happening. And so your environment really matters. So the clients who I see make the progress fastest are the ones who are in environments that are supportive, positive. Uh, people who struggle tend to be in environments that are not great for, for a sensitive striver, very toxic, harsh, extremely overly competitive environments where uh, it's it's really impossible for them to thrive. So the entire book is, I would say, it will take you about the time it takes to read the book. <laughs> That's my hope. Um, but really, the, the tools in the book are structured to give you the transformation, transformation in the fastest time possible. So I have made sure that this book is chock full of worksheets and exercises. I didn't want this just to be another book that people read and say, oh, that was great, but what do I do with this? So every single chapter is highly actionable. There's steps for you to take at the end, a worksheet to fill out so that by the end of the book, you are able to uh, track your, your progress and compare yourself to where you were when you started the book to where you are when you're ending the book on a, on a uh, assessment I've created. So hopefully you will see, see some progress by, by just the end of reading it. It sounds clearly there's going to be some tools for the sensitive strivers in there. It sounds like there might also be some tools that managers and leaders who are running teams who have sensitive strivers inside of them as well yeah. as, as helpful for them too. The, oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, this, like I was saying, this is about 20% of the population, one in five people. So you are either, you either know a sensitive striver, you're working with one or manage one, for example. So it's very important to understand this personality. And always when I have clients who say, should I tell my boss or my colleagues that I'm this personality? They're always nervous to do it at first. But once they do, their their boss or colleague says, wow, this was tremendously valuable to have this context and understanding of who you are, not just because I understand um, you know, what pitfalls might be and how we can avoid them, but also how to get the best out of you and how to position you for new opportunities. So it can open up a really valuable conversation. You know, obviously, labels can be uh, limiting. Labels can be empowering. Yes. They can be insightful. And when you have a label like that, that also redefines the genre for you. And instead of mm -hmm. feeling like an outsider, like, no, this is actually, this makes sense to who I am. Uh, as a leader who is a sensitive striver, is there any specific challenge if they're running a team, leading a team that they might have versus being on a team? Yes. Great question. So many of my clients who are leaders struggle with 
over-functioning. And that is a um, flip side of our sensitive drivers. We have a high drive for responsibility. We are dependable. We can be counted on to follow through, but we can't bear to let people down. And sometimes we are overly responsible. We over-function and uh, swoop in to fix situations, rescue problems, which can cre- inadvertently create a dynamic where other people underfunction. So your team may not be stepping up or offering ideas or coming to the table with solutions because they have never had to. You're going to tell them what to do or you will be the one to swoop in and solve the problem for them. <clears throat> and so I see that all the time with clients where it's coming from a good place. They want to be a good manager. They want to help their team. They want them to be successful. They think a good boss should provide air cover from from certain things. But what it can do inadvertently, again, nobody, no one is doing this purposely to hold people back, but it can uh, create this situation where your team is not getting the learning opportunities that they need. And they're not building the muscles they need to be successful in their career to be more proactive, to be strategic. Um, so it's a win-win if you get better at delegation, at empowering your team to step into those opportunities, at sending them to a meeting in, instead of you so they can set in and, and get that get that exposure. So it can really be a win-win. I imagine shifting the frame from you as a leader versus supporting them and helping them have the opportunities to grow and learn and develop new skills and responsibilities, that that makes it very palatable and speaks in their language as well. 100%. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, obviously, great conversations to be had with your clients and also with their employees and the team that they have. You know, here at Key Conversations, we believe that conversations are an important part of growth, transformation, and, and performance. What are, if you don't mind sh- sharing a little bit, Melody, what's a conversation or two that, that maybe you've had, either personally or professionally, that had a big impact on you and your yeah. life? Yeah. You know, when I reflect on this question, the first thing that came to mind for me was a conversation I had with my agent around the book. So uh, long story short, when I, I was first approached to write a, write a book uh, years ago, back in 2016 or so, I was approached by a publisher. And I wrote a very fast uh, book proposal. And I wrote a book proposal for what I thought they would want to publish, what I, I thought would be uh, right for the genre and... I was trying to live into the expectations that I thought they had of me. Very typical sensitive striver, want to be the A-plus gold star. And the key conversation I had was with my agent at the time, who I was a brand new client to her. And she really sat me down and had a very candid conversation with me to say, I don't think this is the book you want to write. And she just, she instantly saw right through me, which was very powerful to have someone be that candid Um, but to also have my best interest to deliver hard feedback, but with my best interests at heart and to be seen in that way was, was really powerful. And she was exactly right. And so, um, she said, you know, take your time. We are no rush here. Write the book you want to write. And fast, fast forward about five years. Here we are. Um, so that was truly a conversation that changed the trajectory of my career. Fantastic. Awesome. Melody, thank you for being here and for sharing all your wonderful ideas and ideas to help sensitive striders out there. What's the best way for our listeners and viewers to get in touch with you and find out more about your work? Sure. You can find out more about me at melodywilding.com. You can also find more about the book anywhere books are sold 
or at melodywilding.com forward slash book. Excellent. I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. Melody, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for watching and listening. Until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. And if you'd like to connect with me and other like-minded leaders, I invite you to join our Facebook group called Develop, Empower, and Lead, where I deliver free live training every week. If you go to developempowerlead.com, it will redirect you right there. Hope to see you there soon.